yes, we had some working capital set aside um, because, you know, you have to be able to pay yourself. And as I said, you know, we, we were 50. We just could not make stupid financial decisions at that point. Although some people would look back and go, that was a dumb decision because you should have stayed earning your corporate salary. But what price happiness as well? And what price when you, you know, when you really realise what you're meant to do in the world, you know, it's the Ikigai diagram, what you're good at, what you're meant to do and what you can get paid for. Um, and that came together for me. Welcome to the first episode of the Chief Medichicks podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Scriven, and I'm super excited to launch this show. I'm the founder of Chief Medichicks, a business I launched in late 2022 to inspire and support women entrepreneurs to launch and scale successful startups and gain access to the right types of funding at the right time. Chief Medichicks is a community, a movement and an ecosystem designed to level the playing field for women in business, leadership and technology. Our mission is to unlock and unleash the potential of women and we'll achieve this by supporting them with coaching, expertise and expansive networks to help them develop and scale their businesses. We help to upskill women in Web3 and AI technologies through education and training and to provide them with the tools and knowledge that they need to thrive in the digital age. So whether you're an aspiring entrepreneur or a seasoned business owner, Chief Medichicks offers a wealth of resources and inspiration to help you develop and scale your business and leadership skills. And this podcast aims to bring inspiration and insights to our listeners as we delve into the stories and journeys of female founders, entrepreneurs, and business leaders. We'll share their highs and lows, their trials and tribulations, key learnings, and their pivotal moments. So to get us underway today, I'm going to be interviewing Michelle Redfern. Michelle is a globally recognized gender equality, diversity, and inclusion expert, founder of Advancing Women in Business and Sport, and co-founder of Lead to Soar, a community and network that supports women on their leadership journey. Michelle advises organisations in the business and sporting sectors on diversity, equity and inclusion strategy development and implementation, and works directly with female leaders to advance their careers. She's also an experienced board director who has held roles in sport, social justice and finance sectors. Michelle has been recognised as one of Australia's top 100 women of influence and has won awards for her contribution to women's advancement. She's passionate about what sets her soul on fire, closing the global leadership gender gap and enabling women to have a career that soars. She is also one of our Chief Medichicks leaders and she mentors members on the Pitch and Grow program. This interview covers a number of important topics, including starting a side hustle while you still have an income, the importance of building enough working capital before you exit your paid role to launch your business, realising what you are meant to do in the world and what you can get paid for, the importance of finding your cheer squad and how networking is working. Chief Medichicks would like to thank and acknowledge our fabulous sponsor, NAB. The founder journey can be a wild ride. From cash flow ups and downs to out of control growth to chasing payments to recruiting staff, Behind every wild day in business are a million decisions to make. That's why NAB business experts are equipped with the expertise and the skills to support you in making them. With a wealth of expertise and resources, they can help you wrangle what you need when you need it. So whether you've got a wild business idea or just need a sounding board, they're there for you. Because when it comes to business, this isn't their first rodeo or their 50th. So when business decisions get wild, wrangle them with a NAB business expert. NAB, more than money. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode with Michelle Redfern of Advancing Women in Business and Sport. Welcome to the Chief Medichicks podcast, Michelle Redfern. Michelle joins us today as a globally recognised gender equality, diversity and inclusion strategist. She advises organisations in business and sporting sectors on diversity, equity and inclusion strategy development and implementation and works directly with women to advance their careers. Big welcome to Michelle. Thanks, Nikki. Great to be here and uh, lovely to be supporting Chief Metachicks as always. 
Brilliant. Well, we'd love to uh, share your journey with our community and learn a little bit more about your leadership and business ownership journey and the story behind your success. So can you give us a bit of background about what you were doing before you decided to launch your own business and how you landed upon the idea of it? So I was definitely the corporate animal. I'd spent um, you know decades in corporate and was always uh, very, very determined to to be the CEO of of some kind of company someday. Uh, I always thought it was going to be for someone else's company, i.e., a listed company. But as it turned out, you know, that wasn't the case. Um, but my background is is simply, you know, if, uh, I've done a lot of things across a lot of industries. But if I was to say what's my speciality, um, it's leading people, organisations. Um, so it, it, I'm a leadership specialist because I came into leadership very young, uh, or relatively young. Um, um, and stuck with it, but I've I've managed call centres, I've managed warehouses, I've managed other people's call centres in business process outsourcing. Uh, I've done done lots and lots of different things, uh, you know, ATMs, um, you know, and I've worked for some pretty big names. So Telstra was was pretty much where I grew up professionally. I had 15 years there, um, had about another eight years in the outsourcing or business process outsourcing sector uh, for an organisation that was then called UCMS. It was a brilliant organisation. Um, and then I worked for Serco, who are a global um, BPO um, organisation, about 100,000 people when I joined them. So I ran their business process um, outsourcing operations here in Australia. And then I jumped, well, I don't know, across to the dark side, back to the dark side. I went back to banking after a long, long time. So I joined the NAB uh, and that was my last corporate gig. And I had three gigs there while I was there, three and a half years and three roles. So I started off running the contact centres, then uh, shifted over to running the ATM and self-services division. And uh, then I jumped into procurement for my SINs and, and was running a supplier transformation program. So... Amazing. That was that's the corporate career, and, and why did I jump out? Um, there was no one reason other than you know there, there's always been something in my mind ticking along. I'd love to have my own business one day. Just had no idea what it would be. At one stage, I thought it was going to be a cattery because I love cats, and I thought well, we could do this. Um, but um, over a few years, well, when I say a few years, two or three years, I was doing an MBA. I was getting really involved in uh, the employee resource groups at the NAB um, and, you know, women's rights and gender equity in the workplace and disability um, equity in the workplace. And the more I did that, um, the more I knew I was good at it and I loved it. And the more I got asked to do more of it. And I suddenly realised that my non-day job I really loved and my actual day job I didn't love so much anymore um, and I found a way I thought well I can monetize this I can monetize what I'm really good at which is leadership diversity equity and inclusion though it didn't start off that way um, and scratched that itch of hmm, I think I might like to have my own business one day so I did and here I am eight years down the track Amazing. So it's a pretty gutsy move to give up the corporate salary and the security that goes with that and to jump into your own startup. Um, I know I've done it too. Um, and there's moments where you, you think, what the hell am I doing? What gave you the courage to take the leap? Did you have a bit of a buffer that you thought, yep, I've got time to turn this around? Or did you just jump in headfirst and swim? Um. All of the above, really. But no, look, I am married to a CFO and she is, she is the brains trust in our relationship. And we certainly had a very considered plan. So I was desperate to scratch this itch. Um, and But, you know, I was, I was in my late 40s. So I had to make sensible decisions for me and for us. And yes, leaving behind a pretty significant executive salary is no, you know, you don't just go, yeah, I'm going to chuck it all in or that, that's what I felt like doing. But so we really had 12 months. So I transitioned for 12 months, um, had the side hustle. And whilst that side hustle didn't really end up being what I'm doing, um, it gave me the opportunity to understand what the market was um, and was not. Uh, it gave me an opportunity to start building relationships and putting the feelers out. And 
you know, really, we, we agreed, Rhonda and I both agreed that when I landed a contract or when I landed a piece of work, when I had some runway, that would be the time to pull the pin. Um, so it was coming up for 12 months that happened. Um, so I uh, engineered my way out of the NAB and then went full bore into it. Yes, we had some working capital set aside um, because, you know, you have to be able to pay yourself and... As I said, you know, we, we were 50. We just could not make stupid financial decisions at that point, although some people would look back and go, that was a dumb decision because you should have stayed earning your corporate salary. But what price happiness as well and what price when you, you know, when you really realise what you're meant to do in the world, you know, it's the Ikigai diagram, what you're good at, what you're meant to do and what you can get paid for, Um and that came together for me pretty quickly. Yes, there were some moments of, hmm, okay, this is interesting. Um, and it was in the first 12 months because I really had to get my shit together about six months in because I'd been coasting and enjoying not being a corporate person. Um, but, you know, I never, ever had a regret. Never, ever, not once. I certainly did have moments of, right, I better get cracking. But there was an agreement. So I, I, we knew between Rhonda and I, we had some financial thresholds that I had to meet in my first 12 months or I had to go back to work. And there was nothing like that as a motivator because I was determined not to go back and work for anyone. And really, as she often says after that, I became unemployable after that because who would want me back? The bloody I was even worse than I'd been as, a, as an employee. <laughs> a That's pain gold. in the neck. <laughs> That's gold. So for you, there really wasn't moments of what the hell am I doing and should I throw uh, the towel in? I think never throw the towel in, but there were certainly moments of – geez, I could have chosen an easier life. I actually yeah. could have chosen an easier path. But the reality was, without sounding too trite or, or, or wanky, the path chose me. And if if I hadn't been doing that, I wouldn't have been as happy as I am now. And I guess my times that I question, Nikki, is about, it'll be less about running the business and doing what I'm doing and more about am I really making a difference in the world? Because I actually do want to make a difference in the world. So it's, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's a little bit loftier than that. Um, but I think before, as the pandemic hit, I really had a moment of, because uh, I had a really strong pipeline. I was, you know, really ready for liftoff into that sort of, probably the third phase of, of impact that, that, that I have in my business and I just saw that crumbling before my eyes and was absolutely devastated. Um, as it turned out, it didn't end up being devastating, but I was just so, like a lot of other people thought, wow, what am I going to do here? So I, I did have a really wobbly moment at the start of the pandemic because um, I thought everything I've been working so hard for is about to go up in smoke, but it didn't. Um, so there you Were go. you able to transition to more sort of online? Because I know a lot of your work now you actually do yep. sort of via Zoom calls and so forth as opposed to face-to-face. -face. So how much in the face of the pandemic has the structure and the way you deliver your programs changed? Well, what was interesting is that I did have a good proportion of work that I could do and was doing, um, me virtually. So I had um, clients and um, alliances around the world where, you know, it just didn't make sense to fly me around. So, yes, I was doing things at odd times of the night, doing workshops for England or, you know, the UK, uh, big about the US. So, so there was an element of that. But I've got to say I had two major clients who just embraced switching to virtual like on the turn of a dime and that made a difference so so they were you know my clients Bega the Bega group and IAG just went boom we're just going full steam ahead and you know they were they then became almost a not a it, there wasn't a test case because it was hugely successful but they became the companies that I could quite openly talk about with other clients who were perhaps less um, keen or, or wondering whether they would get the same impact or outcomes from my work that without me there in the room um, and of course 
part of part of all of this, you know, this is where you just continually lo- uh, learn, you grow, you iterate, and things like that. You know, I started to say to people, you actually don't need me. What my job is to is to help your organisation build capability and capacity so that you can tell me to bugger off. I don't want to hang around your organisation for ten years doing stuff. Well, you know, I, I do because I always fall in love with my clients. But you know, um, but so so it kind of proved that I could help them from a distance and be that guide and advisor, a mentor, rather than being in and doing the actual work. So, you know, in a funny kind of way, it it also helped prove that out. Um, and of course, it's that, that model has been proven out in so many different um, scenarios now. So although there's still that, you know, the usual people calling for everyone to go back to the office, which is, you know, complete bullshit. But anyway, anyway. <laughs> love it, <laughs> love it, love it. So um, you sort of touched on some challenging times. Obviously COVID was and the pandemic was a, a challenge for a lot of organisations, even mm. more so I think for small businesses or people that are, you know, doing their own thing because, yep. you know, when you're in a corporate environment, there's more people to collaborate with and there's also more people to share challenges with. Where did mm. you go for support when you're going it alone well interestingly enough I've got of the people that the, the women that I work with very very closely um two of them the, of the three of us two are in the United States and I'm here in Australia and even I had a I had a, a VA at the time and Teresa and I hadn't seen each other in person for about six years so you know I was very used to having virtual relationships so there was that plus of course I, I also and married to an amazing woman who's an extraordinary businesswoman. So I, I, I've, I've just that that support on the home front cannot be underestimated because you, if you if you're going it alone within your relationship as well, that that's a, that's a tough gig. But I have people in my network that I know I can pick up the phone to the Zoom or, or whatever it may be and say, can I just flesh out an idea with you or have a chat or whatever. But I'll be honest, Susan and I actually decided that we would be that person or those people for our network of women very early on in, in the pandemic, particularly for executive women, because, you know, you know what it's like, Nikki, the CEO has no peers. Um, executives, <laughs> sure do. Yeah, <laughs> executives, it's a lonely gig, right? Because you're often yeah. in very, very competitive environments, yada, 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 and overlay a global pandemic. So... Susan and I, and that's our lead to Saw Network, we just said, why don't we just start having coffee mornings, you know, or we actually called it coffee, cocktails and connections because for part of the world it was coffee time, for part of the world it was cocktail time. So, we, yeah, bring Love whatever it. drink you want. So we actually decided Just make it an espresso that. martini and everyone's 100%, winning. <laughs> 100%, exactly. So, um, so for me that became, yes, I was giving to the community of women that we were building, but also I got a lot from it as well because it was that, you know, safe space, collegiality, lots of wisdom in the room, lots of different women from different industries and things like that. So I guess I, I created something that I wanted, which is actually part of what I do. I, if I can't find what I want, I create it. Um, yeah. And then if I figure out someone else is doing it, I join forces with them. So, you know, that's yeah. – so I, I think that the key message there is that you know, as a sole proprietor, as a small business owner, um, even as a, as an executive, you know, it's it can be very very lonely. And no woman is an island, and we need we need our folks, even if it's just to you know, I've got the longest WhatsApp and you know text threads with my you know my my crew because we just you text at all times of the day or not just to say something you know express something out loud that you can't express to anyone else or or get the advice or just you know harvest different ideas so yeah really important yeah. to to use you know find your cheer squad and and use them yeah, and I think, you know, that's part of the whole intent behind Chief Metachicks is giving female founders and business owners the opportunity to connect with each other and support each yeah. other. Um, and it's really hard, you know. And, and that's what I found as well. Sorry, Nikki, as because I was new to business ownership and throughout my, you know, this last nearly decade, I've I've joined various groups and been on Facebook groups and all the other things. And I just glean information. And I'm I have I was initially completely and utterly blown away by the generosity of women. because uh, mm. you know, you you know, the patriarchy lives in all of us. And I had this, you know, I guess stereotype or trope that you know everyone's really you know it's 
dog eat dog cutthroat out in the entrepreneurial world well I found completely the opposite and I'm, I'm quite sure that there are you know some bad actors out there or actresses but um, I just found when I found those groups of women their generosity was extraordinary so for me generous is one of my word guiding words every year because I think be generous because so many women were so generous to me and they didn't have yeah. to be I was nothing, yeah. you know, um, and I just thought that was so for, for me when you were setting up Chief Metachits, that's that's such a big part of, of why I want to be involved because it's just I want to give back what people gave to me, what women gave to me. Yeah, it's amazing how much it's attracting the same like-minded women who are driven by purpose and want to see other women succeed. And like you, I have experienced just the most incredible networking and and everyone I meet or everyone that comes on as a Chief Medichick's leader is introducing me to other incredible Mm. leaders Mm. and it's adding value for our community. And then when we take on a coaching project, I can't help but be invested and want to support them. And, you know, I have have different um, of my mentees, contacting me regularly and you know yeah. having those moments of challenge or imposter syndrome or freaking out because their cash flow is not what they mm. kind of need it to be and mm. we're in a challenging economic environment and it's just lovely to be able to be there to you know play that helicopter role and look from the outside in oh, and absolutely. just give them the confidence to keep going and you know I think that's the power of the network. I've got you know I've, I've got one mentoring relationship at the moment uh, coach, coaching mentoring um, in it's more mentoring I don't really coach I tell but anyway um, in in chief medics about to start another one which I'm hugely excited about but you know that the, the the first one with do you, can I say the name yeah or, you can say the, the name first she'll be on Catherine, soon yeah with Catherine is I you know I, I I teach people this, that mentoring is a two-way relationship and the as a mentor, you get just as much from your mentees as the mentee gets from you. And it's just true. I am got yeah. so much from her and I, I so enjoy the relationship and I really enjoy extending my network to hers and vice versa and things like that. And, and as I said, it's just, it's really, really fulfilling for me to, to be able to to give back in a way but honestly it's very strategic as well because this is good for my brand um and it's good and it reinforces who I am and what I want to be in the world so you know there's a whole lot of win-win-win um around this Yes, I'm very much looking forward to you and I both getting stuck into support Hacia because oh, yeah. I just think what a game changer. Oh yeah. <laughs> Empowered women in trades. Look yep. out. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's gonna be I fun. Agree. That is gonna it's be gonna a lot be of so fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, even Holly Bailey, one of our other um, chief Medichicks leaders, you know, she runs a business in leadership and development coaching again around the sporting environment. Yes. So a similar sort of space to you. And in talking to her, she doesn't like letting go of the people that come through her program. <laughs> she wants to follow their journey and it's exactly. just that purpose and passion that you see when women go into their own business it's not always about making money that comes mm. if the purpose and passion is there mm. um but it's it it is a real differentiator i think in in what drives women in business it's very much um to make a difference and and yeah, yeah. it's an exciting place to be and i'm oh, look and i'm very overt women need to be really smart about money you know they cannot they cannot be going into making candles um, and expecting to be millionaires and feed their family for the rest of their life. And I use candles. I'm sorry to candle makers out there, but it's my standard um, thing because there are thousand and one bloody candle makers out there. But, you know, candles will not make you wealthy and will not look after you financially, economically for the rest of your life unless you found some extraordinary niche or gap in the market that you're about to exploit. And if you found that, we'll help you find it and exploit it. But I don't know that it's there. But if you have got a great idea and if you have got a business and you are purpose-driven, you know, what I want to do is make sure that you are going to make money, that you are going to be sustainably successful. And if you're not, we also need to call that and say, hey, let's let's change something. Because, um, you know, th- there's enough pressure on women economically uh, throughout their lives. We've got, we've got an economic gender gap. We know that women mm. retire poorer. Uh, than men uh, and we we just must stop that by helping particularly women who've said okay I'm jumping out of corporate or I'm never going to go into corporate I'm starting my own business how 
you know, how can we bring all of our experience to bear to really help them flourish and sustain economically as well? Because you're right, yeah. you can be, love what you do, but you've got to be able to make money. And I want to stop that being a dirty word for women because it's just rubbish. It, it, it can't be. It cannot be. Yeah, yeah. And I'm really interested in, from your point of view, being a female founder, was that an advantage or a disadvantage for you? Oh, look, I think um, in my space, you know, around diversity, equity and inclusion, and particularly in the women's leadership space, um, absolutely an advantage um, because, and look, and I'm a bit older, um, as you can probably tell, listeners, I call a spade a spade. So, you know. I think that's why I like you so much. (laughs) Straight shooter means straight shooter. It does. It does. Um, So, you know, and and I was very, very clear that I was going to give people what they needed rather than what they wanted because I'm the expert and I know what they need. Um, Now, there are ways and means of going about that. I... I think from the business or the corporate sector, I've got cred because I used to be one of them. I've run P&Ls. I've been an executive, yada, yada, yada. Um, Being a woman, I think there's a natural assumption that, well, there's more women in this space than there are men. So, you know, you can kind of look at it. Is it a disadvantage or an advantage? I think you can make a case for both. In the sporting sector, which is my other area of, of expertise and focus, Again, I think it can cut both ways and there's, but the fact that the simple fact is that I do have a, you know, I've got a pedigree in sports administration, particularly Australian rules football, that gives me cred and I think there's still a bit of a novelty factor um, around women popping up in some of these spaces. So I consider it an advantage. Um but I can see how people would make a case that it isn't. I, I don't know. I just think it, people need to take me about as who I am and what I'm what the value is I'm going to bring to them in their organization rather than my gender but of course that's the Pollyanna in me talking going you you know remove all the barriers just look for the value but anyway so I don't know that's a non-answer but I, I I don't know I think I think I am my own advantage quite frankly I think you are too more from Michelle in a minute hey boss we've got some more orders hey boss we've got some more orders Hey, I've got the materials ready for the extension. Ready for the extension. 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 Your numbers are looking good. If business decisions feel wild, wrangle them with a NAB business expert. NAB. More than money. Thanks for joining us on the Chief MetaChicks podcast. Chief MetaChicks is more than just a community. It's a movement designed to level the playing field for women in business, leadership and technology. In our inclusive and supportive space, women from all walks of life come together to connect, learn, network and collaborate. One of the key pillars of our community is our team of extraordinary Chief MetaChicks leaders. These women are trailblazers, experts in their fields, successful entrepreneurs and exceptional leaders. They're here to inspire, educate, mentor, coach, and support our community members, sharing their expertise in areas such as business consulting, legal, finance, Web3, AI, executive coaching, leadership training, marketing, and much more. Members have access to the Chief MetaChicks world where they can explore our virtual space, access all of our business and Web3 resources, play games, unwind in the Wellness Centre, connect with the Chief MetaChicks leaders and chat with fellow members. So if you're interested in learning more about Chief MetaChicks or would like to join our community, you can do so at chiefmetachicks.com slash join. Okay, let's get back to our amazing guest, Michelle Redfern. And I'm interested to know how much, like we all have this vision of our business and Mm -hmm. when you're starting out a business or on a founder's journey, you've got to be agile and you've got to be able to pivot. How much have you pivoted and how much has your business model changed along the along your journey um it's it changed significantly because I, I when I first started out and when I first had this germ of an idea it was I want to help women and of course I'm going to coach and mentor them and I pretty quickly realized that coaching and mentoring was not scalable um that women don't tell me that no, no, no. <laughs> I'm kidding <laughs> um that that women don't prioritize spending on themselves um so uh, for a whole range of, of reasons, you know, no judgment here, women who are listening. So I went, well, okay, that's actually not 
that's not going to be the model. And then I read, I, I did read a, uh, um, the, the book Stop Fixing Women by Catherine Fox and start fixing their system and went, that's it. That's what I've been trying to do. So yeah. I went, that's me. I've got to fix the system and help women navigate the system. So my model changed dramatically in 18 months from help women to let's let's look at the, the system. But then it also added or iterated to add in the sports element because I, I had not even considered my sport administration prowess and experience as anything until I had a colleague who said to me, she was working for Carlton Football Club at the time, she said, you need to come in and help us with our DEI or diversity and inclusion plan. I went, oh, right then, good to go. Um, so, and, you know, I pop and I went, oh, hello. Oh, right. Oh, yes. This, what I love, what I'm good at, what I can get paid for. Okay, good on you, Redfern. You're a bit, bit of a slow learner, but here you go. And then at the and, and at the time, I'm, you know, fiddling around doing some stuff and, and Rhonda walked in the door. And she goes, you need to be advancing women in business and sport. That should be your business name. And I went, okay, that's what it is. So I, I, I changed from Thrive, which is where I first started out, which, of course, 9,001 people have got Thrive as a brand to yeah. advancing women in business and sport. And I, I kid you not, the first time I gave out a, um, a business card at an event was to Carol Fox, um, who many of it, and she went, oh, sport, you and I need to talk. Love and it. So, Differentiator. You know, yeah. So so there was a, there was a change, a, a, yeah, definitely an iteration to let's fix the system. And, and that's where, that's where true change is going to come and where you make money, um, and then the change of the focus to really say, hey, what, bring in what you love, Michelle, the sport. And, of course, that credibility factor with many of my clients who are largely executives, CEOs and board members, and we know that there's a reasonably homogenous group. So there's a lot of blokes I get to talk to on a day-by-day, week-by-week basis. And the fact that I've got a background in sport, can talk footy, what have you, is, is gives me cred as well. So was it strategic? Um, no, but I think I'm pretty good at being opportunistic and saying, that, oh, look at that, let me go for it. So I think one of the things I learned or unlearned from corporate was just do it, do it straight away. You don't have to go to a steering committee or an investment committee or whatever it may be. But I will say one of the things that didn't change from the outset of me starting the business was digital first. So I wanted to be able to work anywhere in the world at any time for any one of my choosing with only my mobile phone if it came down to it. So I wanted to create... So I have no paper in my, I have no paper, I have no filing cabinets, I have, I use, everything's digital for me. Um, so, and that has served me well. well. Clearly, I'm talking to you in Bali right now, my second home, and this is where I Love work it. from. So, yeah. So um, that's a really nice segue. You know, you launched your business in Australia and, mm. you know, you're eight years in and you're now operating globally, be mm. it online or in person, particularly in the US. Can you yep. give us a bit more of an idea of, you know, how those opportunities presented themselves and, and how networking. you and where you spend your time? Networking. So networking is working and the I... I'm good at networking because I had to get good at it um, in my, you know, I had a, I had an aha moment when I changed jobs out of Telstra in 20, uh, beg your pardon, 2005 uh, and suddenly realised that I had to network as part of my, my new job and my new role, uh, turned my nose up at it at the start and then realised actually you got to get your act together here, Michelle, and learn how to network. Um, and I did and I learned how to love it and become good at it. But I also learned that it's actually, a, it's a, it's a strategic advantage to be a good networker. So my my business has grown through my networks. Um, yes, I do all the usual kind of, you know, beautiful websites. Thank you, Nikki. Um, <laughs> my pleasure. <laughs> uh, very, very good social media. And I've got very good at social media, uh, very good at LinkedIn. And LinkedIn's where my, my market is, my corporate market. But I network. I network my ass off every week, every month, every year. And I... You know, if I go somewhere for a trip, whether it's to the UK, the US, you know, to Perth, my home state, whatever it may be, I always make sure that I'm booking 
catch-ups with people and what have you and I'm because you know you've got to be in front of people so it's through my networks um and also your track record you deliver stuff and you do it really really well and you know for me the client is queen right you've got to create the outcomes that you said you were going to create for them and then they become your best advertising ever so I have got clients who have become clients because of previous clients. Um, I'm onboarding a new client at the moment, a major one who's the client, a bigger pardon, a colleagues of a client of, you know, the, the, one of my other major clients. So, you know, it's, there's, there's the networking, do what you say you're going to do, do really deliver the value and the outcomes. And it happens. Um, in saying that, you know, I, didn't initially start off with, you know, world domination in my mind. Um, but, you know, as time has gone on, I've also looked at where there are opportunities and the US in particular, you know, the, the sheer scale of numbers over there makes doing business over there makes a lot of sense. But for the sporting sector over there, it makes a lot of sense as well, because I know that I've got an offering and an approach and a track record that can bring a lot of value to the sporting sector in the US. So that's that's why I have a lot of focus on the US as well because um, it's a really big market. Yeah, and in terms of your business structure and doing business in multiple markets, have you set your company up in both markets? How do you handle, you know, earning income in yep. multiple markets? Yeah, so so my business is, is registered here in Australia and no, I, I haven't and am and, 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 unlikely to go through the hoops of setting up a US business because there are a lot of hoops. I mean, you you know what they're like. So I have a whole bunch of different arrangements, um, including um, uh, I've got strategic alliances um, with people. But, you know, the, the days of um, you know, apart from foreign exchange, which of course is is you know that's always the bugbear because you you can kind of lose or gain on on foreign exchange. But you know, I'm I'm not talking trillions of dollars here. So, um, but I think for me, I can still manage it because I can I can issue invoices in any currency. Um, I am because I'm digital. I can be anywhere um, for anyone. Um, so I don't I don't have a particular need to set up entities in any other geography because I can do what I need to do from my entities in Australia. Um, and, you know, the, and the payment gateways are getting better and better. I've just had two of my um, people in my network talk to me about a new one that's come up. So, you know, there is just there are more and more ways of doing business now that make a lot of sense from wherever you are. And this is where the digital first, you know, having that digital mindset is so important for me because I want to have that agility to be able to do stuff really effectively and really efficiently no matter where I am. Yeah, and I think this is part of the appeal of, um, you know, and part of our purpose in helping women sort of get more up to speed with Web3 technology, digital yes. payments, blockchain, yep. um, you know, because you can avoid some of those FX fees and you can, um, you know, have fast transactions where the money's in your in your account um, and transactions on the blockchain. So there's a lot of innovation in the space and what we found is that um, there's just not a lot of women sort of engaging I think sometimes the UX and the experience in web3 at the moment is not great but we need more women leaning into the space understanding it learning creating and commercializing because there is a lot of opportunity true. yeah and and you know and 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 again Nikki this is a you know chief metachicks is a is a learning journey for me and I have a natural curiosity for technology anyway so I'm I'm the one you know I was that person who would pull apart all of the back end of the TV and plug it all back in. And, you know, so even now my mum and dad go, oh, we've got a new device. Can you plug it in when you come over? I go, yeah, I'll sort it out, you know. Um, so I am curious about technology. I, I, I don't know. How, I, I've lost count of how many apps I've downloaded on my phone, yada, yada. I'm always looking for new stuff that does good stuff. And, yes, there are some, you know, there's some ordinary stuff. But for me, you know, the metaverse, Web3, is as yet unknown to me and, and I'm so, so curious about it, but I know I've got to be there and I've got to know it because, it, again, it'll help me have the impact that I want to have in my business ongoing. And if I'm not there, you know, it would be, for me, it feels like the equivalent of setting up a shop on the corner in, you know, somewhere in Paran or whatever. 
and expecting someone from the US to come across my shop front in Parade, they're not going to do it. You know, you've actually got to have a presence in these spaces, whatever they may be, and know how to navigate them and also bring others, particularly women on you know, in there with you. So I figure if I can do it, anyone can. Yeah. And you talked um, earlier about, you know, you're the master at social media and it sounds to me like you were self-taught. You didn't come yep. from a marketing background. And I no. think in in a lot of the um, the members that we're coaching, you know, they want support in digital or marketing or social media and they, they don't necessarily feel like they have the skills to um, to really own that space and position their business. And as we know, if no one knows about you, you're not doing business. Um, how did you self-learn? What did, you know, what can you share with our community? Um, so I, I read an awful lot. I follow people. So I, I am, you're right, I am self-taught. Um, I have never, ever done a course on social media, but I've watched a lot of people and I've read a lot of stuff and I've practised and, yes, I've stuffed up. But, you know, the great thing about any of this kind of stuff is, you know, if you stuff up, you just delete it and start again. Do you know what I mean? Or just you hit the back button or the refresh button. So, you know, there's there's not a lot really you can do wrong other than not be there. So for me, it's continuous learning. So right now I'm, you know, I'm looking at, I love, I'm loving AI and I know that AI is this, you know, very big scary monster for a lot of people. And yes, I think we've got, um, particularly as directors and executives and things like that, we've got to pay attention to some of the ethical uh, concerns and the way we design strategy and things like that around AI. But as a as a as a tinkerer, as a user, you know, I'm 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 already looking at already look using and learning how I can use this to my advantage. Use AI and all of the stuff that goes with it to help me with will with my presence with with social media and you know am i getting ai to write me my 10 social media posts every week absolutely not am i you know right going into ai give me some ideas for x and yes i am because like anyone else i get writer's block as well um so you know so i'm a tinkerer i'm a learner i'm curious and i know that i've got to keep these skills up to date so i think if I was to sum that up in one one word, it would be your mindset, um, and you know, and your and what you said, you've got to be there. If if you're in business, you've got to be where your clients are, and if you're not there, well, I don't know how are they going to come to you otherwise. How are they going to know about you? How are they going to know what you bring and the difference that you're going to make to their organisation? So you've got to yep. be there. So you've got to learn. Well, look, I think AI is a game changer for anyone operating a small business. You know, you can pretty much, I, I think I would be saving five headcount right now in how yep. I'm using AI just yep. as even um, starters for content or ideas yep. or, you know, models, whether it's uh, social media posts or whether it's just positioning statements mm -hmm. and things like that. It's just, it, it's an amazing support. Oh, um, and actually and, there's you know, a really. Nothing... In... Oh, go on, sorry. I was just going to say there's, um, you know, some really interesting new technology coming out. Um, a co-founder in another business that I'm tinkering with at the moment the other day um, said to me, send me 60 seconds of your voice recording. So I just talked a whole lot of BS into um, into Telegram and, and then he, he sent me back a podcast. So oh he basically, God. he plugged my, um, all my positioning of Chief Meta Chicks on my website and it was my voice, albeit with a bit of an American accent, yeah. talking, uh, you know, talking like you would expect me to talk on a podcast. He said, there no, he said, if we produce this, no one would know that it wasn't yeah. actually you talking. I was like, go. that blows my mind. But the demand right now from corporates you know we're doing training programs for organizations that don't have time to invest the time to work out what's going to add value and they're saying just tell me what I need to do and how to use it and train my staff on it so you know well, in terms of being agile we're, we're being agile in how we're delivering our, our value absolutely. both to corporates and individuals and, and you know and when I when I'm talking and to facilitating teaching women about leadership and and being an executive well being a ceo um you know I, i'm talking to them about you know when think about innovation as it's not inventing the next apple iphone or the next version of the apple iphone innovation is about you saying how do i import innovation into my organization so we can do things for our customers our people and our shareholders smarter faster cheaper 
And that's your job, you know, as a leader, as a business owner, as a CEO, it is your job to do that. So you actually have to be up to date with this stuff or you're going to get left behind or, you know, you'll be the next Kodak going, gee, I wonder what happened there. <laughs> like, hello. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So it is yeah. a mindset. I think that, that you know, you know, there's all these sayings, oh, leadership is lifelong learning and be curious and blah, blah, blah. The reality is you've got to keep the skill sets are changing. No matter whether you're employed by someone else or employed by yourself, skill sets keep changing. We have to keep evolving and keeping pace with it um, and be embrace it and be curious about it. You know, I, I love the fact that I can work the way I'm working now, which I could not have dreamt of 20 years ago wouldn't have dreamt of it because it just wasn't there so but being able to jump in and embrace it um you know that that that's a mindset shift and no you're not going to be good at whether it's social media web3 the metaverse whatever it may be the first time you try it you're probably going to feel like a bit of a dill but that's okay because we all did but just keep going. That's how you learn. Yeah, going. you just exactly. got to keep going. Exactly. And then it, it, it's like anything, you know, the first time you try to throw a ball or, you know, hit a, a ball on a bat, you might miss yep. it. And it's just practice and practice and perfection. And, and the more Absolutely. you do it, the more familiar you get. Yes. Yep. Definitely agree with that one. Um, question for you, and I think obviously I know the answer to this, but if you knew what you do now, would you do it all again? Yep. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. Um, and would I do it any differently? Oh, look, you know, there might be a couple of tweaks, but hindsight's a great teacher. But no, I, I wouldn't change a thing. Would not change it. And, you know, I, I knew that, Nikki, because a couple of years in into my journey, a, a really, really awesome job came up in sport. And I did have quite a number of people say to me, ooh, that's your job, Michelle. And I just went, Oh, my heart sunk. Actually, my stomach clenched at the thought of going to work for someone else. I meant that's it. That's the sign that I've done the right thing. Because that job I would have cut off my left arm for, you know, three years before that. Yeah, yeah. And I went, that, that's how I knew. So, no, I, I would not change a thing. Brilliant. Love it. And what advice do you have for aspiring women entrepreneurs who are just starting their journey and thinking, do I take the leap? Oh, you've got a plan. Like, be sensible about money. You know, the, the first thing, so if, you, if, you, if you're thinking about taking a leap, please don't just do it without a good financial plan. Um, do build up some working capital. You probably won't be able to pay yourself um, for the first, unless you've got that, that little nest egg to, to fall back on. Um, but, you know, think about really plan out the financials. What is it going to take for you to replicate your current salary in a business? Um, or in my case, um, or a portion of, a, an agreed portion of your, your salary uh, in a business. So please do the financials and plan it. Um, you, you'll, ha you'll have a great idea. I'm not going to give you anything about, you know, the, the tech side or anything like that, but please map out your financials um, because it's really, really hard to be worried about money and where the next, you know, where the next credit card is coming from to pay the bills and pay the overheads. It's hard to be creative and hard to to meet your business goals when you're when you're gnawing with worry about money. So that's my advice: is get that plan and have a transition plan. And it might be that you have a side hustle first, test your market, test test your pricing, um, test who wants to who will buy from you, and if you're really clear about your buying proposition and who your market is. But yeah, you know, it, and it all comes down to that financial viability for me. Um, because I, I, you know, I have seen and and heard lots of conversations. Where, oh, I'm going to leave my corporate job and, and do this. And I think, oh, can you pay your mortgage? Can you pay yourself? Can you keep putting keep putting money into super? Um, are you putting stuff away for your old age? Blah blah blah. Oh, okay. Because you know, there's no magic fairy dust. Yes, it's going to feel great to have your own business, but unless you can meet your obligations, you will be insolvent. It's yeah, yeah, it's such great advice. And, you know, it's it's just so spot on. You know, what I'm seeing is a lot of, um, you know, kids out of school with great ideas but not the business skills yeah. and they're going, well, I don't want to work for the man and they're sick of being told what to do and, and some of them aren't even desiring to go to university because they want to learn on the ground, you know, mm. and they've got good ideas but they don't have the business skills um, yeah. to actually set it up and structure things appropriately. Some of them are getting into trouble with the tax department because mm -hmm. they don't understand tax obligations 
happens. And, you know, and then you see some of the things that we've witnessed in in Web3 where, you know, there's no corporate governance whatsoever and, and there's some very shady behaviour going on. Yeah. And as a result, now there's a whole lot of lawsuits and people going to land in jail. So, you know, it's a really interesting space. But I think the question that I ask um, our members is how much do you need? You know, what do you need? Absolutely. And you have to work out what you have to pay yourself. It's not what yep. you want, it's what do you need. And if you Absolutely. can deliver what you need, then you can start to build a business. Mm. But, yeah, without that, it can be quite stressful. Most definitely. And, you know, I think the the other thing is the, is the current economic environment. I was reading the Fin Review this morning because the Entrepreneurs Summit's on at the moment and, you know, the, the end of free money. It's the end of free money. Yeah. It's been a... You know, it's been a free-for-all for the last 20 years. We've had, you know, record low interest rates. Money's been so available. There's been more places to invest than not. We've seen some absolutely bonkers deals and businesses that should never, ever have been funded, funded. And, of course, they've gone belly up and things like that. It is the end of that. So please take the lessons from that, but don't expect those those conditions are not going to be replicated again in the near future. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's going to be a different environment. So we have to be really sharp. Indeed. And I have one more closing question for you. Mm. What made you want to be a Chief Metachicks leader and what are you enjoying most about it? Um, well, you, because you persuaded me that this was the, the, the thing to do. But the, the minute you said that this is about the metaverse and Web3 and learning and, um, you know, number one, I went, yes, well, I need to learn. So this is a great way to do it. Uh, and then number two was actually about this is how we help women start, scale and sustain businesses so anything um, about that and then of course you overlay the two together and it's about women really um, you know taking you know, stepping into into the into web3 and having a presence and having and you know and having a cheer squad around us as well so those were those were the primary reasons yeah, brilliant. Well, we love having you on board. You're adding enormous value to those that you're mentoring at the moment and that you're about to commence mentoring. Um, looking forward to continuing to shake it up with you um, and building everybody's networks across Chief Metachicks. So thank you so much, Michelle Redfern, for joining us today. Um, you can follow Michelle on socials. Uh, you can go to her fabulous website, which we might have had something to do, yes. um, michelleredfern.com, and she runs um, as well as her Consulting through advancing women in business and sport. She also runs a network called Lead to Soar and runs summits for women in leadership and business. So uh, do follow Michelle. She's amazing. She says it how it is and uh, she's a joy to work with. Thanks again, Michelle. Great to have you on Chief Metachicks. Thanks, Nick. That was lovely. Well, there we have it, our first ever Chief Metachicks episode. So remember, Work your side hustle while you still have paid employment. Test it for market viability and make tweaks as you need to. And build some working capital before you take the leap. All of the links and resources for the full episode can be found at chiefmetachicks.com slash podcast. We'd also love you to rate the episode and podcast on iTunes or your favourite platform. It really does help with rankings and getting our messages and learnings out to as many people as possible. Chief Metachicks would like to thank and acknowledge our fabulous sponsor, NAB. When business decisions feel wild, NAB business experts can help you to wrangle them. NAB, more than money. If you'd like to get your wings on too, then you can join at chiefmetachicks.com. And if you're interested in applying for our Pitch and Grow coaching program with our Chief Metachicks leaders, then please reach out at info at chiefmetachicks.com.